Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling is reminding businesses of the Curb to Compost program, which allows businesses, restaurants to have food waste collection. And this is an important next step in your businesses or restaurants recycling program. You are tuned in to episode 182 of the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm recording right here in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I am connecting this town I love so much to the rest of the world. Today, my quote comes from Dwight D. Eisenhower. It is, in preparing for battle, I have always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. I share that with you, not because thinking about the war that's happening right now, but because we should plan for just about as much as we can in life, business, personal stuff. But remember that plans change. So create the plan, work the plan, adjust when needed in life. And our sponsor today comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. Do you want to be a better recycler? Well, use the Recycle Coach app now available to Jackson Hole locals and visitors. Additional support for this podcast also comes from the Jackson Hole Wine Club, making the experience of exploring new wines as easy and enjoyable as taking a sip. Visit jacksonholewineclub.com to learn more and just make it easy to sign up. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection, the place in space I love sharing stories with you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Please get out there and share this podcast with your friends and family and coworkers. I'm able to do this podcast because I hear back from you all of how much you enjoy the stories that I share with you. So get out there, share this podcast, and send me some feedback. I love hearing how you enjoy this podcast and what you think about the interviews. My guests, two guests today, are Lily Krause and Max Ritter. They're writers by trade, skiers in the heart, and culinary creators with enough passion to write a cookbook. Not an easy task to create a cookbook. Lily and Max have recently written and published their own cookbook. Remember, they have not only just written it, but they have also published, self-published their own book. And it's based on the skid life, which is clearly defined in the book. And they talk about what the skid life is. Lily and Max are the perfect duo to create a skid cookbook, worthy of using even if you are not a skid. They share the food which keeps them fueled for outdoor adventures in the best playground around the greater Yellowstone ecosystem and beyond. Take it from these two, Max and Lily, and learn how everyone out there can prepare healthy, tasty food with ease on a budget and keep you fueled. Max and Lily, it's wonderful to have you here this morning at the Jackson Hole Connection. Thank you for taking time to join me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Happy to be here. You're welcome. I do like starting the podcast by you sharing your background and history and connection to this beautiful place, Jackson Hole. So, Lily, why don't we start with you? Where were you raised and how did you end up here in Jackson Hole? Yeah, um, I grew up um, outside of Seattle um, in Issaquah, Sammamish area, if you know the 
area. Um, otherwise, I usually say Seattle. And then I moved to Boulder for school, um, which is where Max and I met. And then briefly lived in Salt Lake for a job after that um, when Max had moved up here. And then the winter was much better in Jackson that year. And so we were kind of going to visit each other equally. And then I, I just kind of got stuck here happily. So I've been um, been here for four and a half years, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I can go deeper into like my background and who I am if you want, but that kind of gives you the gist. So were you uh, big in the outdoors growing up in that area of Washington? Yeah, I grew up um, skiing with my family. Yeah, we um, like skied, mountain biked, kind of all that stuff. Very much like fortunate to have had those experiences as a kid. I wouldn't say I appreciated them when I had them. Um, mm. A lot of parents kind of dragging us to go skiing and, um, and us complaining. It wasn't until I was probably in high school that my brother and I really kind of took to it and realized that we really enjoyed it versus it being something that we very much didn't appreciate as much that our parents were really um, intent on like providing us with. So now looking back. That sounds like my Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Don't give up. Um, Cause even yeah, when we were kids, they were like, I didn't think you guys ever even liked this. And now this is, I'm a freelance writer who writes primarily for um, ski publications. So it's funny to think about how much I hated skiing um, and cried when we went skiing. And now it's something that um, I've very much revolved my life around. <laughs> And so you, I, I want to get back into that you're now a freelance writer, but we're going to let Max give his introduction and background because we got to give him a little bit of the show and not all be about Lily. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, well, so I'm, I'm Max Ritter and my history is a little complicated, I guess. Um, I was actually born in Germany. My family is German. And then I moved to New York City when I was about one year old. My folks moved to New York for work. Obviously, I came along and what was supposed to be probably a few years trip turned into a lifetime. Um, so I grew up in New York City, in Manhattan, very far from the outdoors, but my parents always made it a point. You know, we love to go hiking. We love to go ride our bikes. I grew up skiing in upstate New York and Vermont. And every summer we would always go back to Germany too and spend some time in the Alps uh, going hiking and climbing and kind of just, you know, exploring the mountains. Following New York City, uh, I also went to school in Boulder, Colorado. Spent five years there before moving back to Europe for a year uh, where I worked at a mountain hut in Austria uh, as a cook and eventually came back to Boulder where I met Lily. I lived in Boulder for about another year and then moved up to Jackson, uh, where I now work as the managing editor at Teton Gravity Research, TGR. And yeah, loving it here. have not found a reason to leave yet. So special place for sure. It is a special hut, uh, special place. I almost said it's a special hut because I just wrote hut. <laughs> I was taking notes about you living in Austria as a, as a cook in a ski hut. You're yeah. the first person that I've met that has worked in Austria as a cook in a ski hut. There you go. Yeah, there's. I, I can say with a pretty high degree of certainty that there's not a lot of us, <laughs> but very, I, very cool experience over there. I mean, I, I want to hear about Lily as well, but I mean, yeah, I want to hear what it's like cooking in a ski hut in Austria also. Um, yeah. So do you want to go first, Max? Happily. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about Austrian ski huts. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar, but the Alps have, you know, a pretty big network of mountain huts. Uh, they're not actually all ski huts. Most of them only operate in the summer as 
kind of refuges for hikers and climbers and in some cases mountain bikers. And the one that I worked at is called the Karl Ludwig House. Uh, it's about an hour and a half or two hours away from Vienna. Uh, so pretty far east. It's actually kind of on one of the most eastern mountains in the Alps. Uh, the Alps kind of abruptly end there. So it's kind of cool. You get to look out over eastern mm-hmm. Austria and it's very beautiful. But we, uh, or sorry, I spent almost a full year working there. It was kind of just a post-college situation. Uh, I didn't really know what to do with my life and an opportunity came along over there and I took it. So yeah, I worked, you know, in the kitchen of a mountain hut. It was interesting because it was, it's the only 100% organic mountain hut in the Alps or was at the time. I think there might be a few more these days. Uh, the guy who ran it um, was like a well-known restaurant business guy from Vienna. And he kind of wanted to do something else with his life too. And basically took over this hut and turned it into like a pretty fancy restaurant essentially. Um, and yeah, I got learned a lot working there. I'd never really worked in the restaurant industry before and it was a bit of a crash course <laughs> while also living on a mountain and also, you know, kind of speaking German every day, which was something else that I hadn't done in a long time. Mm-hmm. So, a bit of a culture shock. <laughs> I, I'm not familiar I'm aware of the hut systems in, in the Alps, but I'm not familiar with them. So mm-hmm. when you say a hut, is it just one structure or is the hut made up of several structures and, and how big is this structure? So how many people were you feeding a day? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, the whole hut system is totally depends. Some of them are tiny. Some of them are like gigantic, almost like hotel like structures. Um, the one that oh, I, uh, okay. <laughs> among the bigger ones uh we had i want to say room for a hundred people to sleep every night um and they call that a hut yes yeah, it's not like a colorado hut trip you like go carry all your stuff in like it's yeah, kind of like a little okay. it's very civilized um and like full restaurant full bar like it's it's like pretty upscale but yeah this one uh we typically had anywhere from like 50 to 100 guests a night uh obviously we had many nights where no one came because the weather was bad or whatever reason. Um, but it was interesting spending a whole season there and kind of seeing like the fluctuations we'd have really, really, really busy weekends followed by like a week of bad weather where we would just be completely alone on the mountain, which was cool in its own way, but definitely got a little lonely sometimes. (laughs) I bet it did, but it had to be fascinating to what an experience. Yeah. Good for you. I would definitely do it again, but it was hard. <laughs> I bet. And so thank you for sharing that, Max. Yeah. I, now I have a better idea. I mean, here in Jackson, if you had a hundred room hut, people would be banging on your door to, <laughs> to live there. It sounds, <laughs> sounds quite luxurious, um, quite impressive. Yeah. So Lily, you're now a, a freelance writer in the ski industry. And what are some of the things that you've written about in for the ski industry? I, I work mostly for um, different editorial publications, um, uh, for Ski Magazine, Free Skier. Um, I used to write a lot for Powder before they went under. And I guess, yeah, it kind of spans a big variety, anything from, um, I do a lot of work, um, like kind of in the gear world, 
I also um, do a lot of kind of one of my favorite thing to write about is longer form narrative stories. Um, so some kind of like travel pieces are what um, is really fun and um, exciting to write about, but it kind of expands a big variety. Like every day, it looks a little bit different. Sometimes it's profile about an athlete. Sometimes it's um, kind of a how-to piece um, related to skiing, backcountry skiing. Um, mm -hmm. And so I don't know, it's very broad, um, which I really appreciate. I think it's fun to kind of always work on something different. So yeah, it's kind of all over the board. <laughs> do you get to travel much for, um, for your work? Yeah, I do. Um, it obviously tapered off a little bit in after March, 2020. Um, so I didn't travel quite as much last year. And then this year it's picked up a little bit before that, I would say a fair amount, but yeah, not quite so much as, as I did a few years ago. Um, and that could be anything from sometimes we'll do kind of more like local trips um, with different brands, but then also kind of pitching some like um, trips. We've done a few ski trips to Europe um, for stories that um, that I've written. And yeah, sometimes we can work together on that. Cool. Which is fun. I guess I was a little bit vague, but um, I kind of write about anything that pertains to skiing, um, whether that's editorial or um, yeah, also kind of copywriting and stuff like that. And, and now the two of you have put your wonder superpowers together, you know, superpowers unite, <laughs> like the super twins. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. and you've created, you've created a masterpiece. Share with us, what is this uh, elegant masterpiece that you all have created together? Yeah, so we wrote a cookbook for ski bums. It's called Beyond Skid, a cookbook for ski bums. Um, Skid being, we learned that skid is, is kind of more of a term in Jackson, but other people do know what it means. Very much skid being a ski bum. Um, uh -huh. A little definition page in the book, just for anybody who isn't quite as versed in the dirt bag terminology. Um, <laughs> but essentially the idea was to kind of like elevate the dirt bag diet. So it's beyond your skid, skid diet. Um, and it was inspired because Max and I both love to cook. We're both very fortunate that we had parents who really prioritized cooking and, and um, family dinners um, and kind of giving us those tools to, to cook when we moved out on our own. And so when we moved in together, we would cook all the time and we would have friends over for dinner after skiing and people would come over and they would say, how did you guys make this? I can't believe you just made this. And we're like, this is really not that hard. You could totally make it. It's mm -hmm. not that expensive. It's pretty easy. It'll take you 20 minutes. So we kind of realized that I think what we had learned as kids and as as when we got older was not the norm. And so I think we um, were like, oh, we should show our fellow ski bums how to cook. Um, and it started as a little bit of like a, I wouldn't say a joke, but we didn't take it super seriously. We kind of would talk about it as people. People would ask us how we made things. And then eventually we were, well, I, I had two hip surgeries in Jackson, so I didn't ski for a winter here. So it gave quite a bit of time to work on the cookbook. So we sat down one I said, okay, what do we usually make? We just made a really long list and it ended up being like almost 60 recipes that we just kind of realized we made frequently enough. And yeah, I don't know. Do you want to elaborate? I don't have to talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I think Lily kind of explained the concept of the book pretty well. Just, you know, simple recipes, relatively inexpensive, but tasty and kind of a, you know, a, a mis mishmash of various cuisines we've got you know everything from traditional like alpine food uh stuff that i learned how to cook in austria you know that combined with classic american food but how to make a pizza bagel <laughs> yeah exactly we don't have that we, we but don't, maybe we, don't we should that. add that yeah uh -huh. stuff yeah. kind of in that vein like 
I'm looking at Skid and I'm and I'm reading the back, you know, the last paragraph. You're the expert in finding happy hour deals, not paying for their own lift ticket, and whose diet largely consists of ramen, pizza, smush PBJ, PB&Js, and discount lagers. What about the free bagels that P- Pearl Street Bagels puts on their windowsill? <laughs> that's true. That's very much a Jackson Skid. We were kind of trying to encompass the whole, <laughs> okay, like, deal. Skid. We were trying to transcend Jackson um, very much. I think a lot of it is rooted in Jackson and anybody who is local who are many of the people who bought the cookbook. Um, I think there's so many call outs that you'll notice, but also I think um, we were kind of trying to be able to relate to anybody, whether they're skiers in other places in the country or just people who like to be outside. We're not um, kind of trying to get away from just not get away, but not just ski bums in Jackson, but lots of ski bums in Jackson. Have yeah. Been. So I want to go back to what you guys what you guys said earlier about you know cooking that some people think cooking is com- complicated to where it really isn't. It is so simple. And kudos to you two for bringing it to the surface for people. <laughs> Thank you. I think yeah. I think and we have kind of very much a spectrum. We have everything in the book is we have kind of like ski trail ratings. So we have green, blue, and black recipes. Um, so we do have some things that if you're like okay, I've been. I cook a little more than your average ski, but I'm like, I want to try something more challenging than we have um, recipes for those folks. But we also have some things that are very easy. Like you could get this done in 20 minutes um, when you get home from skiing and you don't want to do anything or kind of recommendations for, Hey, you should make a bunch of this and leave this in the fridge. So when you get home from skiing, you have this awesome homemade pesto. All you need to do is boil water and you'll have a great meal. That's not um, yeah. Top ramen. Hopefully. Or pizza bagels. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or put it in the freezer. Shoot, make a big old pot of spaghetti sauce and exactly. You can eat yeah. a pasta one day and a baked potato the, yeah, <laughs> the other day. That, that's kind of one of my favorite recipes in the book is actually is pasta bolognese. It's something that I learned how to cook growing up. My mom would always make it and we would always have like liters of it in the freezer. And whenever we came home late or she didn't feel like cooking when my dad was working or on a work trip or something that would come out. And I loved it. (laughs) Now, Max, my wife is from her family's from Germany. Her mom's German and she actually has one brother that lives over there now. Mm -hmm. And you, it's funny that you said one of the favorite recipes is the bolognese that your mom makes. And that's one of my wife's favorite recipes that her mom makes as well. And it's, I bet we have that several times a month. Yeah. Same. Um, I mean, that must be, bolognese. German, must be a German mom thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Has, did your mom ever make rouladen? Yeah. <sighs> I love rouladen. Uh, they're basically like cabbage rolls almost. Mm. I'm assuming you mean the, the cabbage ones, right? N- no, th- I haven't had the cabbage ones. The ones that she's done is the, the beef ones where she pounds out the beef Oh, and it gets seared with, and then, um, she rolls a pickle in it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's seared and then baked and it has this beautiful red sauce on it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I love pickles. So it's got a pickle in the center. So you can't go, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's like go the, wrong there. The most German sounding recipe I've ever heard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, I think uh, I'm curious where your wife's family is from in Germany. Do you know? I think, and if anybody is listening, my apologies. Um, <laughs> I, it's from the Bavaria area, okay. and she was from a, a little community 
um, in that area. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So um, my family is from more kind of the western side, almost near the uh, Belgian border. Uh, so we have we have more cabbage in that part of Germany, hence why the okay Holland. <laughs> Makes sense. You yeah. know, it's it's all what's available for where people live. And the same thing here in the U.S., people's cooking habits was a lot of what was available. Totally. Mm-hmm. So you said one of your favorite recipes, Max, is the bolognese. Lily, what's one of your favorite recipes? Because you guys said you have 60 recipes. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it's okay. I, I guess I should fact check myself. We have 57 recipes, so I don't okay. exaggerate. Um, <laughs> but um, I would say, I think probably one of my favorite recipes is our peanut noodles. Hmm. And I don't, is it called peanut noodles in the book? Might be called Maybe peanut, peanut street, street noodles. noodles. Yeah, um, peanut street noodles. It's definitely my favorite recipe. We probably have it once a week. And it is basically, it's like kind of a peanut dish. We have a lot of fresh vegetables. We have some um, cooked vegetables, um, with rice noodles and tofu on top. Um, and it's just a really easy, really filling meal. It's a really, um, awesome meal to have before a big ski day. And it's nice. We try to kind of make a big thing of peanut sauce and keep it in the fridge because peanut Mm. sauce, definitely a big, uh, part of my diet, but it goes with (laughs) a few of our recipes. So like spring rolls, we use our peanut sauce, um, kind of going back to the theme of trying to use different elements um, of the recipes in multiple different recipes so that we can, I guess that's not a very good way of saying it. We're, we try to have recipes that kind of relate and build on each other. So that's say you could make one of our sauces and use it in a bunch of different other meals to kind of encourage people to keep things on hand and then be able to kind of whip that out when you need. Um, but yeah, peanut noodles, I would say probably one of my favorites, I think in terms of breakfast, I would say are on the go blender pancakes are my favorite. Um, Ooh, tell me about an on the go. Is that like a Dutch baby? No. So these, um, but we do, we have something that I guess it's not super similar to a Dutch baby, but we have something that Max can tell you about in a second that is (laughs) similar to that style, kind of like a skillet, like scrambled pancake. But these are uh, our on-the-go blender pancakes. They're just oatmeal and banana pancakes that we put um, chocolate chips or blueberries in um, and like cook them up um, on the stove. And then they're really good just if you want to eat them as brunch, but they're also um, really sturdy. Um, There's a a ton of oats in them. So they're a really good trail snack. So often we'll make a big batch of them and then take a handful, wrap them up, put them in our pockets and then eat them on the skin track. Um, Mm -hmm. Hold up really well or even turn them into a little sandwich. So I think just in terms of the versatility is very much what we're going for. And so that I think is very representative of kind of the like theme of our recipes. Mm-hmm. Cool. They're just tasty. And and do you guys offer like some desserts or appetizers in there? Or is it mainly some breakfast? So tell me more about the layout and organization of the cookbook itself. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much got everything uh, starting with breakfast and you know some side plates and sauces and then you know party dinners it's actually the name of the dinner chapter and then some baked goods and desserts a little bit of everything so yeah i think we have five maybe we have five chapters mm-hmm. we have breakfast light bites and sides sauces and dips hearty dinners and baked goods and desserts uh, hearty dinners is definitely kind of the meat of it i think that's very much ah. Was what? that a pun? Oh no, it wasn't. But actually, yeah, that was that was on purpose. Um, uh, that is that is to say, the book does have some great vegetarian options too. So we do yeah, get a lot of totally. questions about you know whether the book is 
vegetarian or even vegan friendly. And a lot of the recipes will even have a note, like you can sub the meat portion with this type of vegetable or protein or whatever. We like to cook with tofu and lots of beans and stuff. So there's lots of good kind of high energy, high caloric options for people who want to feed themselves for a big day in the mountains, but don't like to eat meat. So. Yeah. And we have a lot of, I guess it's very much friendly to people who not all of our recipes are gluten-free or dairy-free, but, um, I don't eat much gluten or dairy and I'm, I'm no longer a vegetarian, but I used to be. And so we very much, I think are conscious of kind of, even if this recipe isn't dairy free or gluten free, it's pretty easy. We, we make kind of suggestions for, for subbing it out, um, depending on people's preference. That being said, it's not a gluten free vegan cookbook, which I do love, but <laughs> I think a lot of ski bums aren't super into that. So, um, it's very much like if you want meat and potatoes, that's in there, but also if you want something lighter, like spring rolls, um, then we have that too. I, I'm interested to hear from you two about applying some recipes to some excursions that you might do. So like uh, a backcountry ski, what are you going to take? Or a hike in the summertime, what are you going to take? But before we get into that, we're going to do a quick break to get a word from one of our sponsors. And then we're going to come back and get your opinion on applying your cookbook to um, an active lifestyle. We'll be right back. For residents looking to reduce their household waste and become better recyclers, look no further than the Recycle Coach app. It's brought to you by Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. You can access the Recycle Coach app from your desktop computer, mobile device, and the ever popular digital assistance. The platform makes it easy for you to get local disposal information for thousands of household items and takes the guesswork out of recycling. Visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle for access. Be a better recycler today by downloading the Recycle Coach app for free. And remember, you don't have to live in Teton County to be a great recycler. You can do it in Atlanta, Asheville, North Carolina, Spokane, Washington, in Texas, too. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,954 tons of food waste are disposed in the trash right here in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve our county's goal to reduce waste and recycle more which will help us aim for zero waste. For more information on Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling's Curb to Compost Commercial Food Waste Program, visit tetoncountywy.gov recycle and join today. Lily and Max, welcome back. And we're just, we're talking about your cookbook and it, you know, from what I hear from you, you don't have to be a ski bum to use this cookbook or to have an interest in it. It's just having a perspective from a ski bum to about cooking and that cooking can be easy. I'm interested to learn one, if you were to go out hiking during the summertime, what's something that you would cook out of your cookbook that you'd want to take with you during the day? And then also, if you guys were going to go on a big ski tour or say on a yurt trip in the winter, what are some things that you'd want to make during that, during that trip as well out of your cookbook? No, that's a great question. Cause I think a lot of the recipes 
these are very well suited for on the go. Like Lily had already mentioned the blender pancakes. Those are super portable. I personally always like to bring a slice of the banana bread that we have in the cookbook. Uh, it actually goes by bribery banana bread in there because it's something that we have definitely used to buy ski tunes or repair our bikes in the summer. Yeah. Thanks to all the shop folks in Jackson who accept that as a form of payment. We really <laughs> do appreciate it. Um, but, uh, in terms of portability, yeah, I think those two take the cake quite literally. <laughs> and then we have um, we have like a Dawn Patrol breakfast burrito that we um, give a suggestion for a way to make a bunch of them, so you can put them in the freezer and then pop them out if you have a really early start. Um, and kind of have that wrapped up for you on the skin tracker at the trailhead. We also added a um, energy uh, cacao date uh, energy balls, which are um, like date based chocolate energy balls that are pretty small. And, um, I love to keep a bunch of those stashed in my pockets, um, for the skin track. And then, um, I would say in terms of like, if we're going to prepare a meal, like out at a yurt or at a hut, that's not a hundred percent hut that, um, has a restaurant. Um, <laughs> we have a few of our, um, honestly, peanut noodles are a big thing we make while we're camping just because you can make peanut sauce ahead of time. If you're not super, super weight conscious, um, and you can boil noodles or even kind of swap out rice instead of noodles. Cause that's easier to not have to strain something. Last year when we were camping on Jackson Lake, um, in this first spring ski trip, we actually just made ahead of time, a bunch of our, um, mushroom risotto, which is a nice mm. filling meal. And that's a good one. It's also super, sometimes if you make food ahead of time and then you stuff it into a backpack, um, and it gets kind of jumbled up. It's not, um, not great. So that one is just very, you can't really mess it up because Risotto is already mushy, <laughs> which uh, maybe isn't the best way to really uh, sell a meal. <laughs> um, quite so. Yeah, but you could then like cake it and kind of almost like pan fry it while you're backpacking. Totally. You we have that skillet have and you have a pan fried risotto cake. That'd be okay. super. Totally. Yeah. And that's actually one we can kind of hint a little bit at the next book that we are hoping to put together will be more oriented towards actually what you're going to cook while you're out there versus right now. Um, it's very much, it's, some things are portable, um, but also it's mostly designed to cook when you're exhausted before or after you go skiing. Um, and then we'd kind of like to do another one that's actually tailored towards what should you cook while you're out in the field um, when you don't have a full kitchen at your disposal, however tiny it may be. So that's kind of what we're hoping to kind of translate a few of our recipes that are designed to be made into a kitchen to make them applicable um, when you're outside, whether you have um, like a full expedition camping setup or just a kind of fast and light jet boil at your disposal. Oh, and one other thing is we have pocket pot stickers, <laughs> which are a great just appetizer um, if you're having friends over, but it's also something that's really portable we found. Um, kind of a weird thing to have in your pocket while you're skiing, but it's really good and it definitely- It's a good savory uh, kick. Yeah. Totally. And they're also um, really fun to make with a group at a year because yeah. it's assembly line it and everybody has something yeah. to do. So. Oh yeah. We did make pocket pot stickers on a yurt trip once. Yeah. I remember a race I did once and there was bacon station mm. and you just shoving bacon in your pocket to eat. Pocket nice. Bacon. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely inspired by that, <laughs> by that sentiment. Uh, really? Like, yeah. What, what could we do aside from pocket bacon? We could do a pocket pot sticker. That's a little over the top, but kind of nice that works. but yeah we're big fans of pocket bacon <laughs> and and i remember you saying that you organize it green blue black so what would be in your categorization 
a black recipe? I'm just very curious to know. Yeah, I think the sweet potato gnocchi is a black recipe. Ooh, um, yeah. yeah. That one isn't super challenging. There's just a, a lot of steps. Nothing takes much skill. It's mostly broken down by like how long it'll actually take you to, like how labor intensive is the preparation. Or if there's like really weird ingredients, like there's a few recipes. What's a weird ingredient? Just like spices that are hard to get or... We try to keep that to a minimum yeah, though. Yeah. We don't really have anything that requires a weird ingredient i would say like very much it's based on you if you don't have most of the stuff you ideally would have in your pantry already Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah it's mostly if it's more labor intensive like the gnocchi is like this is how to make gnocchi from scratch mm -hmm. and it's very fun but it definitely takes a while (laughs) yeah you got to roast the sweet potatoes and then mash them and then you got to boil them and then we like to pan fry them Mm -hmm. which it's a really fun dinner party meal because everybody can kind of roll out their own little um, mm-hmm. thing of gnocchi. But yeah, it's not like a, oh, I have 10 minutes. What can I eat for dinner? So we try to, yeah, I think um, nothing is really that hard. Like I still think anybody who is not a super accomplished chef or home cook could tackle a black recipe. Just depends cool. on their kind of eagerness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then maybe Kaiserschmarrn is also a, a yeah, black recipe. For sure. Kaiserschmarrn, that's the, the kind of pancake-y, eggy pancake that Lily was talking about earlier. That's one that I learned how to cook in Austria at the hut. It's a traditional Austrian recipe. Kaiser Schmarrn literally translates to like the emperor's omelet. And it's like a super fancy, like sugar coated eggy pancake essentially. But uh, it does require a lot of work because you have to separate the eggs. You have to whip each thing individually. Then you have to mix it in and fry it and bake it and then fry it again. And it's a labor of love. The result is really delicious, I think. <laughs> it's really delicious. It's a little bit, we, a lot of people we've talked to were like, oh, I haven't made that recipe. I didn't really understand what that word meant. And it was, yeah. it was a beautiful photo next to it, but it's mm-hmm. a little bit, you're kind of unsure what it is, but we definitely recommend anybody who has, who wants to like have a kind of laid back morning and, and do like a kind of a cooking project for a, a nice brunch, maybe <laughs> brunch. It's a really, it's a really good one and a nice excuse to kind of eat cake for breakfast i have to make that for the boys i bet you they would love it oh yeah totally 100 yeah you know a recipe that would be close to my heart going to high school down in in new orleans that i think is just from my opinion a great ski bum type of recipe that probably gets overlooked would be jambalaya do you have have you you guys ever made a jambalaya yes we actually have that's funny when we were camping once with my brother we made a really good jambalaya and he was like you gotta you gotta put that in the cookbook so i think the next one in the in the camping part well we might do that we have a the poor man's paella which is like a paella it's i guess similar to jumble it's similar in in a structure Mm -hmm. to jambalaya um and we just kind of have we don't use saffron because that's too expensive for us. Um, mm-hmm. We have something. <laughs> that was of one of the, the weird sort. ingredients, for example. That's a weird <laughs> ingredient. Um, but uh, but yeah, we do love jambalaya. I hope to have that one in the next one. Yeah, jambalaya is an easy one. I like that too. It's yeah. Delicious. <laughs> now, where are you selling your cookbook beyond Skid? So we mostly do direct sales. Um, we sell it on our website. That's kind of our main point. Um, That's beyondskid.com. Okay. Uh, and then, so we, and we do a free local pickup. Um, we sell them out of our house. Um, and then we also have them in a few shops around town. We have them in some coffee shops. Um, Frank's at the bottom of Snow King. We have it in Pearl Street and Aspen's Market. We have 
uh, at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort um, and a few of their stores. Um, we have them at the bodega. We have them um, kind of, I would say maybe there's probably 10 or so um, local shops you can buy them at in town. But yeah, that we mostly would, we do them on direct sale out of our house. Um, and then we have them sca- a little bit. We have a few bookshops in Aspen um, who sell them. Uh, we've got them at the airport. And then uh, a good friend owns a coffee shop in Silverton, Colorado. So that's maybe our farthest reaching um, <laughs> <laughs> um, retailer. But um, yeah, kind of scattered about. Um, but yeah, just definitely, I think we love the Jackson Hole ski bum vibe, but um, we kind of hope it can resonate with ski bums all over the the country and, and, the, world. and the world maybe yeah. we've shipped a few books we, we have gotten a few international yeah. orders a large contingent in canada yeah a lot and of actually australia too we've sent like three or four books to australia which nice has always interested me why but <laughs> yeah but we i think what we kind of tried to convey is that like ski bums i think are a really good like a good example of somebody who has dedicated themselves to like being in the mountains but also wants to eat well and take care of themselves but it's challenging if you don't feel like you have the time. And I think that climbers, hikers, bikers can all resonate with that feeling of wanting to like cook and share a meal together. And that's something that's really important to us, but also feeling like you have these other things that are taking a huge percentage of your time and you don't necessarily have all day to, to cook a meal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. When do you think your next cookbook will, will come out? a great question it's a million dollar question <laughs> i would hope well we're definitely hoping to we, we've already started some of the work on it um we i think we learned our lesson with timing on the last one it definitely took i would say twice as long as anticipated um but i think we figured out some of the details so definitely planning to put as much time as possible into it over the summer and into the fall this year so, so maybe 2023 would be it. okay yeah. spring 2023 would be a goal um can't make any promises. We are, so we, we self-published this book, which is definitely a, a learning experience. We really wanted to have creative control. We shot all the photos. We wanted to do all the writing. We wanted to call it Beyond Skid and make it a little bit more niche than I think a publisher might have wanted. And so we just kind of decided to do it on our own. We worked with a, a local artisan friend, Christian Johansson, who did the, um, the cover and some of the illustrations inside but we didn't go through a publisher. And so I think now that we've kind of learned, it's, it's very challenging to self-publish a book. So I think it would be great to work with a publisher for the next one. So that's kind of what we're hoping to hoping to do. Cool. Well, there's even some local publishers, I think, here in town, mm-hmm. some, especially with some writers who've written so many books that they've created kind of their own publishing company. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's definitely something we're excited to explore and kind of I think work with someone else to help us take it to the next level because we can distribute a certain amount of books, but we live in a 500 square foot apartment. And so we can't order very many books because we do all the fulfilling ourselves and we just have really no space to become a fulfillment <laughs> center. Um, so I think that's um, what started as a passion project has grown enough to where I think we're ready to work with someone else and kind of get some outside assistance. Awesome. I love it. And if you each picked out a recipe that would be, um, we've already done your favorite recipe. Um, what recipe do you think is one that just helps bring people together and is really comforting? Ooh, mm. I think hands down the chili. 
Uh, I was going to say the chili. <laughs> it's my mom's chili. <laughs> it is called Mama's Famous Chili, but it's the best chili I've ever had. Lily can tell the story behind it. So, uh, Well, I, I'll choose another <laughs> recipe so we can talk about it too. But it is my mom has this famous chili that she makes. And, and growing up, we always got our vegetables from a, a CSA farm. Um, and so local food was something that is really important to my family and something that she really instilled in me. And so she would make this chili um, and it, she called it her 10 mile chili. And so everything was made within from, or every, all the ingredients came from within 10 miles of her house. Maybe it wasn't 10 miles. That's pretty short. Call it Maybe it was 30. 10. It was, it was within an hour, I would say. <laughs> um, so it was all, it was very much sourced in lo- with local ingredients. Um, the meat was from the um, like cows and pigs that we got our vegetables from and from the farm that we got our vegetables from. And um, she would just always make a big batch of it. And I think it very much was something that reminded us of the importance of kind of connecting with the local community and sourcing food locally when we can. But then just something that's really fun to share, especially in the fall or after a big ski tour. It's really nice to have a big comforting bowl of chili and especially inviting a bunch of friends over because you have this huge pot of chili and you can say, hey, come over to my house. I already have dinner Mm -hmm. made sitting on the stove all day, but yeah, I would say in terms of bringing people together. Yeah. I think another one in that same vein is we have a curry dish. It's called Uncle Jimmy's Curry. And it's actually not, it's the only recipe in the book that is like actually not truly ours. And uh, it's a good friend of ours, James, who goes by Uncle Jimmy in our world. Um, it's a delicious kind of carrot based red slash yellow curry. Um, and yeah, that's always a crowd pleaser as well. Totally. Um, Food can bring us together in so many ways on so many levels. And it's, we all need to eat and it can be so comforting and welcoming and warming and just so gracious. And it's, it's easy. Uh, It doesn't have to be difficult. You can always add a little bit of flair, pizzazz to it, however you want. But what I can say is the passion and, and love that you two bring to it is what really binds people together. And thank you for for bringing out something new for for everybody in the world of cooking. Thanks. Yeah, we appreciate that. I think and I think especially the in the past few years as it is increasingly challenging for local people to go out to eat here. Not only is it expensive, but it's just really hard to get into a restaurant when town is so busy and so I think we found it to be really valuable to be able to still find time to <laughs> like hang out with our friends and, and share a meal together um, and have options that aren't that challenging that we can cook and, and spend time in our homes when we feel like maybe it's more challenging to, to be out in town. Um, more moral of the story is more dinner parties are always yeah. the answer. <laughs> yes, that's right. Dinner parties. And I hope people are more comfortable having dinner parties nowadays. Totally. I hope so too. Yeah, we hope <laughs> yeah. so too. That was something we really missed. Um, <clears throat> but it was really cool when we couldn't have dinner with a lot of our friends for a long time. It was cool to um, have them like they had the cookbooks and they would <clears throat> they would let us they would say, oh, we made your peanut noodles or oh, we made your Thai beef stew. And so it was a cool way to still feel like we were connecting with people, even if we couldn't physically share a meal together. And yeah, so we love when people send us photos of the food they've made. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, Lily and Max, I so appreciate you taking the time to share your your side of cooking and your experience and something to bring people together, cooking, food. We all need it. Let's we enjoy yeah. it. We're excited to share more. 
<laughs> yeah, we love yeah. food. Um, <laughs> thanks for having us. <laughs> You're welcome. And I look forward to making um, the emperor's, was it the emperor's? Yeah, the emperor's omelet. The emperor's omelet for my kids. Yeah, I bet they'll love it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take sugar, some pictures and send them to you. <laughs> yeah, lots of powdered sugar and jam is necessary. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, you're right in the world. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Right in the world. Cool. Well, Lily and Max, look forward to hearing about the next cookbook that comes out hopefully in 2023. And we'll get something lined up to do a beer tasting and book signing down at Marketplace. Cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. Looking forward to it. Good to see you both and have a great day and keep keep on cooking. Will do. Will do. <laughs> Take care, guys. Thanks, Evan. Bye. Bye. <laughs> to learn more about Max and Lily and Beyond Skid, visit the JacksonHoleConnection.com episode number 182. Many thanks to everybody who keeps this podcast on the air. If you want to create a podcast, reach out to my marketing director and editor, Michael Morey. He would love to help you out. And my wife, Laura, who I love with all my heart. My boys, Lewis and William, you bring me joy every day. And I appreciate you sharing your time with me today. Cheers till next week when I get to see you right here back for another episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.